Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Here's what's going to happen. I am going to have to fix you, manage you to, on a more personal scale, a, a more micro form of management. What is that called? Micro Jimmy. Boom. Yes. It's Mike Shope. What is your name, sir? I am Bill Butlicker. And the Bulldog. Really? That's your real name? How dare you? My family built this country, by the way. It's Mike Shope. The three words I would describe you as is aggressive, yes. hostile, and definitely difficult. And the Bulldog. Well, I like the sound of your voice. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Rolling along here on a football Friday on WGR. Thanks for hanging with me today. Well, us, Zach here. Mike's been on vacation the last few days uh, of this week. Joining us now on the West Her Hotline is a man who my, my admiration for our next guest has grown immeasurably simply by the fact that he was willing to answer his phone this late on the Friday before Christmas. Sam Monson from Poor Football Focus. On the, do you regret saying yes? Did the phone ring just now? You're like, oh, that's right. I told those guys in Buffalo I'd go on. Geez, what am I doing? Hi, Sam. No, not, not right <laughs> when the phone rang. But about an hour ago, I kind of packed up everything else for the day and then looked at my calendar and realized it was still this in an hour's time. So that was the moment where I thought, eh, kind of wish I hadn't said yes to that. <laughs> well, you're a, you're, you're, you're a warrior, and we really appreciate it. And it's, n- it's nice to chat with you again. We, we've missed our regular visits um, and glad that we could catch up with you here uh, today. And congratulations on the nomination for the, the football pod being up for uh, awards, man. That's really nice for you guys. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We are a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast on the Sports Podcast Awards, and it's a public vote. So if anyone uh, would like to help us out, go to my pinned tweet, at PFF underscore Sam, and vote for us to win. Well, it has been a ride here for us this year, Sam. It's funny, like in the summer, I would have been objectively looking at the Bills' schedule and thinking, you know, maybe 11 wins, probably not the one seed. It's a tough schedule. And then we get into the season, and they're 6-6, six and six, and some of the games they lost were so frustrating. But here we are. I mean, they're not in a playoff spot yet, but... Boy, the juice seems like it's there on the Bills to make a run here, win these couple of games against the Chargers and the Patriots, and then see what happens with the Dolphins. But, man, it's a reminder yet again that these seasons, as short as they may seem, can really be a ride. Yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible uh, roller coaster. I mean, as you said, they're not in the playoff spots right now, and yet, based off the last two weeks, 
there might not be a team in the AFC that you would be certain are better than Buffalo. You know, if Buffalo plays like they did against Dallas or even the game against Kansas City showed what they can do, nobody in the AFC has sort of stood head and shoulders above that to the point where you would say there's no way Buffalo wins that game in the postseason. And in fact, even throughout the entirety of the NFL, the only team that's looked markedly better than that for any extended period of the season is San Francisco. Um, And right now it's kind of the 49ers who even themselves, when they were missing a couple of players, went on a three-game losing skid earlier in the year. They look great. They look like a certain number one um, team. And everybody else that we expected to be elite or, you know, true contenders at that kind of level, they aren't. They're a little bit behind. And so a team like Buffalo, who's still fighting just to get back into the playoff spots, is still very much alive not just to make the postseason but to do damage once they get there. As you see it, how much of a difference has Joe Brady meant for this team? Um, I think he's made a difference, but I think a lot of it was just reverting to type, You know, going back to some of the stuff that they had done previously and had gone away from. Um, and in part, I think a lot of that was just to protect Josh Allen. You know, They weren't running him as much earlier in the season. Um, they weren't sort of tapping into the player that he can be and, and is at his best for, I think, his own good, you know, a recognition that long-term success is going to require some kind of modification to his game, and you can't go to that well every single week. Well, by the time Brady came in as, as the offense coordinator, the play caller, they needed to go to that well. You know, there was no more capacity to just say, let's take stuff off Josh's shoulders, let's, you know, rely on other people. It was like, no, we need you to be – the Superman version of Josh Allen, and we need it now for the rest of the season because we've run out of um, margin for error at this point. Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus on the Western Hotline here with us. That said, we see a game last Sunday where they absolutely bludgeoned the Dallas Cowboys and Allen threw 15 passes and was under 100 yards. And, like, I don't know, raise your hand if you saw that game coming. No, absolutely. I mean, certainly a strange game in terms of um, just running the ball at will against that Dallas team. In hindsight or on reflection, it makes some sense. You know, the Cowboys have the best pass rush in the NFL. They're very good against the pass once the ball's in the air as well. You know, throwing at guys like Deron Bland is risky. The guy's got five defensive touchdowns this season. So one way of negating all of that is to just put the ball on the ground and and don't risk throwing it. Um, You take away that pass rush. Micah Parsons was still Micah Parsons in that game, but nobody saw it because he didn't have any opportunities to rush the passer, really. Um, And then obviously, even James Cook Cook was the superstar in that game, but you had a few critical carries by Josh Allen as well, so he still showed up Mm -hmm. in that area of the game. That's not going to be the game plan going forward, but I think it was a really – smart way of attacking Dallas and showed that there are, you know, more strings to the the bow in Buffalo. Sam, I think you, you if you if you maybe can recollect, um, you know, the Bills have been chasing this sort of pass catching running back for a couple of seasons now. Before they drafted Cook, the draft before last, they thought they had signed uh, J.D. McKissick to play that role, and then that went away. They drafted Cook. They traded for Naheem Hines late last year, or, or excuse me, at the trade deadline, not that late, and still never really found a way to get that off. And then 
this year comes and under Dorsey, it's still not happening. I would say the, the, the biggest revelation, maybe the biggest change with Brady taking over is him designing plays and matchup specific opportunities for Cook in the passing game. And it seems like that's something the Bills were chasing for two years. Yeah, I think that's definitely an element of it. I mean, James Cook seemed like such a perfect fit for this offense when they drafted him. Um, it was a surprise that it took took them so long to tap into what he can do and, and how useful he can be. And I think we've seen that uh, in recent weeks, not just uh, in terms of receiving and, and plays out of the backfield, but just giving him the football, like just handing him the ball and letting him go to work. I mean, he is a good running back independent of – yards after the catch stuff, if you just use him as, as the guy getting the carries out of the backfield, it's, it's productive. So I think generally just leaning on James Cook more has been a, a big part of their success recently. On the other side of the ball, the injuries to Daquan Jones, who's been practicing this week and maybe he'll be back soon. He's listed as questionable for this game, but I don't know the way McDermott sounded about it earlier this week. I'm not expecting him to play, but you know the rest of the list, Milano, Tredavious White. I mean, they lost kingpin-type players on defense. Maybe the most surprising thing about how they were able to beat Dallas is that Dallas couldn't make it a game with their offense against that Bills defense. How, how great of a job. All the criticism McDermott has taken this year, he's gotten a lot out of a defense that was you know pretty thin. No, he has. And you're right. Like for the second year in a row, this defense has been really banged up and missing critical players and, and really important um, keystones. And they, it's, a, it's almost impossible to paper that over and to just carry on like nothing, nothing has happened. Daquan Jones is still their number one graded player at PFF um, on the year. It was a huge blow when they lost him. And he isn't even sort of one of the more significant guys that people would have been talking about when it happened. So yeah, I, you're right. That, side of the ball is the really under talked about thing from that Dallas game is okay Buffalo coming in there with that kind of game plan and offense and running all over Dallas that was a a big kind of headline but Dallas has been susceptible to that in recent years and it sort of makes some sense the element that doesn't make any sense is the other side of the ball which was okay even if they were getting run on they couldn't stop Buffalo all day Dallas didn't swing back. You know, they couldn't fight back at all. Dak Prescott had his worst game of the season, and he's had sort of three really strange bad games in what is otherwise one of the best seasons, you know, PFF has ever graded amongst a quarterback. It's it's this game against Buffalo. It's the game where they got absolutely annihilated by the 49ers. And then it's the game against Arizona that they lost randomly earlier in the season. He's played badly three times this season, and they've lost all three games uh, and I think that's a, a really important thing for Dallas. If Dak Prescott doesn't play well, they just don't have a shot of winning. I'd like to hop around the league a little bit here, and since we're on the Cowboys, how about them in a bounce back this week with the Dolphins? Like the Dolphins have had sort of similarly, they can't beat good teams. That's the that's the mo there so far this year for them. And then they even dropped a game to Tennessee here recently. Um, you know, a couple of Monday nights ago. Uh, how, how about Dallas here this week? Do you think they bounce back? Because we're, we're in Buffalo waiting for Miami to drop one more game before the Bills get to them in Week 18. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting game because they're kind of the same team, right? Both of those teams have beaten up on bad teams and they struggled against good teams, and now they play each other to kind of get an idea of, of where each side is. And it's also coming off the back of that Buffalo game where 
that was as clear a blueprint as you're going to get in how to attack a, a, certainly a defense. You know, does Miami focus on that? Do they try and run the ball more up the middle on this Dallas defense and, and try and mitigate the, the pass rush that they have and all the things that Buffalo were able to do? Or do they stick to their game plan? Do they stick to their regular offense? It's been so devastating and so explosive all the way through the season. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting game to watch because of that. And then every time Dak has had one of those bad games, he's bounced back. So if they don't get a second consecutive terrible Dak Prescott game, at least their offense should fire. The rest of the AFC, let, let's start with the Ravens who are at the top here. Uh, they're in San Francisco this week. Um, I'm reading about how they feel disrespected. I mean, do you expect to go to San Francisco and be favored no, no matter who you are? I mean, I, I, I can't even believe that. But how about the Ravens? Like, are they, are, are, they, are they deserving of the one? Do they look like a team that could win the whole thing to you? Well, they're deserving of the one in this season where there isn't an obvious team that deserves the one. You know, Kansas City isn't the team we thought they would be. Uh, Miami has had dud games every now and again and hasn't been able to seize control of that. Cincinnati's been banged up and, you know, obviously missing Joe Burrow for a huge amount of it. Buffalo, we know, hasn't been the team they we thought they would be. We thought the AFC would just be loaded with these elite teams, and it hasn't been. So Baltimore has been the best team in the AFC. They, they deserve the number one seed at this point in the proceedings and you know they should be disrespected by a a five and a half six point line line when they're the number one seed that being said i think it's legit i mean the 49ers have looked like the best team in the nfl by a distance when everybody is healthy um the thing that makes this game i think intriguing is that most teams simply do not have the defensive personnel to even think about matching up with Christian McCaffrey and, and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, the Ravens do. You know, they've got Kyle Hamilton, who is a genuine matchup weapon at, at safety slash corner slash linebacker. <laughs> Roquan Smith is one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, particularly within that defense. So they have the players that they can be comfortable with going one-on-one with those 49ers weapons. Now they just need to execute and come up with the game plan that can you know, take away the schematic advantage that the 49ers have. But at least they're starting from a point where that is a realistic conversation. Most other teams are looking at that matchup and saying, we, can't, we have nobody on defense we can put one-on-one with these players, and they have a schematic advantage. The default setting on the Chiefs has has been, for me, and this is well-earned, and I think a lot of people would, would share, this is not a unique opinion, they'll figure it out, right? The coach is great, the quarterback is great, but here we are. I mean, we've seen game over game here where they just, even at the very end, just can't get one more drive uh, to win a game. It's happened a few times. Even in the opener, it happened. It happened against the Bills, although they, they did make a play that got ruled out by a penalty, but still, they couldn't they couldn't get there. Um, I don't know, how wary of the Chiefs should the rest of the AFC be? But that penalty is their, the story of their season. You know, they have been making mistakes from the opening game until the very most recent game, and nothing has changed. And whether it's a drop whether it's lining up off sides, whether it's a false start, whether it's a holding call, um, they just cannot stop making mistakes collectively on offense, and they're not explosive enough the way they used to be to offset those mistakes. You know, previous Chiefs teams, it wouldn't matter if they, got, if they had an error on the offense somewhere, and even if it was a, 
you know, a big error, like a holding call, and suddenly it's first and 20 because that's nothing to that team. They would get first and 20 back, and they would just keep the drive rolling. They're not able to do that anymore. The mistakes are more costly because they're not as efficient, they're not as explosive, and they can't overcome them over the course of the game, and it's costing them drives, it's costing them points, and it's costing them games. So I've, I've sort of been with you in terms of expecting it to come good at some point, but it hasn't yet, and they're running out of time, and there's no signs it's even getting better. It's been the same problem week one through to week 15 at this point. So do you consider them still a Super Bowl contender? Because I, I feel like I can't eliminate them, but, man, the signs are, are there, I think. Yeah, I mean, when Andy Reid, you know, Patrick Mahomes, it's a solid offensive line. There's too much good for you to completely dismiss them as a contender, particularly, again, as I said, the AFC isn't what we thought it would be. So they're still live. You know, they are still going to make the playoffs, and they are still well capable of beating anybody once they get there. But it's not the runaway, you know, prohibitive favorite that they are most seasons. They are going into this, and they're absolutely a live threat, but – I, I don't think they would be favorites against a couple of teams. Over in the NFC, the Niners clearly a cut above. I don't know after that. Like I, I feel like the Eagles, um, on reputation and record, I mean, they, they've had an excellent record. They've kind of hit the skids here, obviously, since they beat the Bills. Um, and that was a game that they looked pretty pretty vulnerable in. The Bills just kind of screwed it up at the end. It's kind of been the story of the Bills' season to an extent, at least the losses anyway. Um I don't know who who else in the. How do you feel about the Eagles? Let's start there rather than talk about the Niners because I think that's easy. I feel like the Eagles are. I mean, they might be in trouble at ten and four. Yeah, I mean they've had a similar story to the Chiefs. You know, from from week one, it hasn't quite looked right. And again, we've always assumed that. Well, we saw them last year; they were a Super Bowl team. We know they can play better than this. They'll get it right at some point, and they haven't. Again, it's a similar story. Now, Jalen Hurts has been hurt for most of the year. Maybe that explains some of it. Um, and the defense, I, I think, has had a lot of turnover and, and injuries, and they're not playing with the personnel that we were expecting them to be playing with heading into the season. So that maybe that unit will be worse than a year ago. But the offense should be able to get itself back on track, and yet it just doesn't seem to be able to. And I actually think, you know, the, the cheat code that they have with that push play um, – it actually is sort of hiding how bad it is. You know, they are able to cheat and kind of not cheat, cheat's the wrong word. You know what I mean? They're able to extend a bunch <laughs> yeah. of drives yep. and kind of buy extra, um, extra lives on plays that would otherwise crap out and, and have gone bust and they'd have to punt or kick it away. You know, so this is actually worse than it looks because that play is able to extend a bunch of drives that wouldn't have, have kept going otherwise. One other team in the NFC. Well, actually, I should. I should. What about Detroit? They're ten and four, but I don't know. Am I guilty of just having a default setting of just assuming Jared Goff and Detroit, like that combination? Like, are they are they are they a threat here? You think at all, or, or no? I mean, I think everybody's a threat because there's no outside of the Forty ers There is no clear dominant team. So you know, the, the, the Lions have the, the pieces to be able to terrify teams. But every time you're willing to buy into them, they have a really bad game and they drop a game and it, you, you're immediately sort of back to ignoring them again. I mean, all of their losses have been ugly in terms of, okay, the, the week two one to Seattle, that looks better now than it did at the time. The Seahawks are, be- are a better team than we thought they would be. But they didn't just lose to Baltimore. They got annihilated on both sides of the ball um, and then just as you are willing to say, okay, that's in the past, 
they dropped this random game on Thanksgiving to Green Bay that made no sense, and then they lose to Justin Fields and the Bears. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense either. So, you know, just when you're willing to buy into the Lions, they have one of those games that says, yeah, not so fast. This team could, could just lay an egg at any given moment. The, the team I was about to mention that I'll mention here as we wrap this up is the Rams. Last night, um, a, another win for them. And, like, I, I wonder if they're a little bit maybe like the Bills in that, well, they're in a playoff spot now with last night's win. Uh, the Bills still have work to do to get there. But that they're, like, maybe the sneaky team in the NFC that, like, some division winner is not going to want to see. Yeah, people have been saying that for a couple of weeks about the the Rams. You know, they're the team in the playoffs and nobody's going to want to face. And for the for the last few weeks, I've kind of thought, actually, I think most of the teams would be perfectly happy facing the Rams in the playoffs. You know, they're not actually that good. But the longer it's gone on, the more I'm kind of reassessing that and saying, look, they have Matthew Stafford playing at an incredible level, and now the stats are matching his play. You know, earlier in the season, he only had like eight touchdowns in the first half of the year or something crazy like that. He's been playing the same all the way through the season. He's just now getting the numbers attached to it. But Cooper Cup is an amazing receiver. Puka Nakua is very much for real. You know, that's not going anywhere. He looks better as the year goes on. Um, Kyron Williams, a running back, is for real. The offensive line is just good enough to give those guys a platform to work from, which makes them scary. You know, and they still have Aaron Donald, which means you have to spend the week figuring out how to take him away in any given game. So I think actually I'm coming around to everybody else's take that they are a team that nobody's going to want to face because they're, they're dangerous in too many different ways. Sam, I really appreciate the time today, really. And congratulations, all the success for you guys at Pro Football Focus. Uh, we, love, we love the site, love the, love the content, and um, really appreciate you again making time on Christmas Friday for us. Anytime. Happy to do it, guys. Happy Christmas. That is Sam Monson at PFF underscore Sam is where you find him on Twitter. And I'd encourage you to check out the podcast and go vote for them because they're, they're good people and uh, definitely full of uh, good information and intel uh, on, on all things NFL, of course. All right, let's uh, take a time out. 803-0550, lines are open. What do you think, folks? Vibe check, hey. It's the Friday before Christmas. I mean, let's let her rip. Bills and Chargers coming up tomorrow. We'll talk more about it as we continue. Again, lines open. 803-0550. Mike Schoep's away today. I'm the Bulldog along with Zach Jones. You're listening to WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Just trying to feel the vibes a little bit, man. Just letting it, let, letting it ride. I am the Bulldog. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stop. Uh, 803-0550 is the number. If you want to, uh, I'm sitting here early, ready to start snapping my fingers. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, what a loser. Uh, 803-0550 is the number. You want to get in, talk some football, man, we'd love to have you here on the show. Mike has been off for a few days here. Me and Zach Jones hanging out. And Zach just reminded me. Um, not that I should have needed a reminder, but, you know, I can get I can get uh, to be a little bit of a runaway train. Uh, something I definitely meant to bring up with him today um, is we're we're tomorrow we're a, a year removed from that insane Christmas blizzard, and you were a part of the crew. Tell me the story. I don't know that I've ever asked you. Like, how long were you here for? So I got here that Friday at about nine thirty in the morning, which okay. is weird because usually I get here around one thirty two ish. But you wanted to beat the weather in, I'll bet, right? I had to beat the weather because it turned out if I had waited like another like hour, would have never gotten here. Yeah, I live right by the airport, which got hit pretty bad. So like there was not a chance I was getting in. So I was here from about nine thirty on Friday morning, and I got home that Sunday at five thirty in the afternoon. So I was here the entire weekend. Uh, got home eventually on Christmas, so I got to have Christmas dinner with my family. We had prime rib; it was wonderful, and I yeah. needed that meal because, like, I mean, you can only eat like chips and like bagels so much before you're like, <laughs> I'm gonna go insane. Yeah. And as a foodie, I, I, I got about 48 hours before like everyone looks like a meal right now. You guys got to get away from me. Yeah, what? Um, you know, I, I don't mean to like be smiling and laughing about it. A, a lot of people went through a lot, and, and there were there was a lot of devastation and a, and a lot of a lot of death. Uh, that happened with that storm, but there is a certain camaraderie that comes with being here for something like that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. About fifteen minutes in, it kind of was like, all right, guys, like we're hunkering down now. Like, let's see what happens. I mean, it, 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 it was something though. Like, I was not on the news side of things. I was here to, you know, I, I ran uh, the show as normal. You were off. Mike was solo, so yep. I, we ran the show as normal. And then, I, I, mainly, I was here to run the Bills game the next day. They were also playing on Saturday against Chicago Bears, which everyone in Chicago was in just the coldest place on earth for that day. I remember Sal talking about like his face was just frozen, and I've talked to like some of the guys that also run it, like our own Todd Brody, who was just like, yeah, it was cold. like In the worst way, it was freezing. So they're dealing with that. We're dealing with this. That was the main reason why I'd come in, because we already had the guys in the morning, but I run the Bills games. Right. So I was like, all right, well, Zach needs to get in here, uh, figure that out. But then just with the news guys, like just – kind of going back and forth between BEN once we were done of just like, do you guys need anything? Do you guys got to take like 15? You got to go, you know, go take a walk, anything? Because, I mean, it was constant information coming in. Like that was, for me, the first time really seeing, I don't want to say breaking news, but like we, we, people my age like to joke, like I'm tired of living through like historical events. Yeah. That to me felt like the first time I was living through something that yeah, like, was a, I will tell people years down the line. Definitely a, a local historical event. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I mean, I'm old enough to have been through like, you know, the blizzard of 77, mm-hmm. but I'm a, I'm a little kid. Like I, I don't, I don't remember. You know, well, not a little kid. I'm 12. Um, I, and I mean, I remember all the snow. I remember being able to like touch the gutters on the roof of our house from the yep. snow banks yep. and from all, all that stuff. You've seen the pictures, um, but like, I don't remember it being, I, I, I'm sure it was now because of, you know, what I've read about the storm, but this thing last year, 
I you're right. I was off. I don't remember ever before in my life being in the house and just looking out the window going, I can't go out there. There's no and that, and that was the exact there, kind of feel about it. Yeah. There is no there's no reason to go out there. It actually legitimately looks unsafe to walk out your door. Yep. It, and and that was that was the feel of it too. Like I mean my you know, my parents are sending pictures from our house and stuff yeah. like that of like all the snow rising. And my dad and my brother had to like keep going outside to shovel. I can't remember where they had to shovel specifically, but they had to keep clearing it. And then for us, that Friday night, our, our bosses were grateful enough to get us a hotel room. We have a hotel, you know, not a far walk away from here. And we decided to like test it out around like seven at night. Like, let's see if we can do this. We were out there for about five minutes and we're like, it's a no go on that one. It was awful. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. I drive a little Ford Focus that disappeared, just was gone. And it's red and it was just gone. (laughs) And it it was, it was a very, I mean, in, in the initial moments of it, it was just kind of like, this is wild. Like everyone kind of warns you that like when you work in these businesses or like you're like an essential employee and stuff like that, it'll be like, yeah, you might have to stay overnight. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like, right. You're just telling me that because it might happen, but I doubt it'll happen. And then it happens. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That walk. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when you started that, I thought like, there's no way you guys made it to the, the, I mean, yeah, sure. It's what a half a mile maybe to the, where, where, where you're talking. Yeah. There's not, you're walking over that, the bridge on maple. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh. That, that's the thing. I don't want to make it sound like we were like sitting here going like we're gonna make it. It was like let's see how far we yeah. can get before we decide let's turn back. We couldn't get the back door uh, open mm-hmm. to let the dog out. Um, you know, it was just you know like a lot of people. It was just snow. So at some point, I think, boy, I don't know. Maybe maybe Friday afternoon. It might have been Saturday. No, it had to be Friday afternoon because the the dog was, you know, needed to go, you know, we needed to get get the dog outside. So I go out the front door and walk around the side of my house. I'm walking to the backyard to where the gate is to get in the backyard. And I hit a, 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 a pile of snow that I've never experienced this before in my life. And not to be overly dramatic, it, 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 the 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 fear lasted about five seconds, but there there were five seconds where I thought like if I fall this could be over. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was the snow, snow you know it was like waist high. There's a drift, and I lost my balance. I thought like if I go down here, nope. But who's coming? Uh, wow, I I made it. Got back there. Oh, you know, got the, got the back door cleared out. Made a little tiny little spot for Fred to get outside and do what Fred does, and uh, that was it. I got back in, like, holy crap! Like, I can't believe, yeah, like, I'm not doing that again. 10 minutes outside was harrowing, but it actually was, and, and it was harrowing. It I was remember, crazy. I remember too, it may, maybe uh, Paul brought it up a few days later, or, or maybe it was Kevin Adams himself, but like, he talked about like what he like. He like walked like a few blocks or whatever. I think to go get his mom or something like that, and then came home and he, he was like, "That was a nightmare." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I can, yeah, totally." What I'll remember the most, I want to mention this guy's name. He's one of my neighbors, and he's the best, Steve McGoldrick. If anybody out there knows him, uh, feel free to text him. Hey, Bulldogs, talking about you, Steve. Uh, that dude. I mean, he's the all time best neighbor ever. Like he's the guy that you live next door to. If for some reason you pull the hood of your car up, he's out there. Like, 
hey, what's going on? You need anything? Like he's he's that guy. Like he's super smart and handy and has like everything you could possibly need, tool wise. Like he's just the best. And when the whole thing, you know, finally ended and it's well, it was a Christmas day, I guess, right? The sun came out, it was like, Oh, look at and you start, you know, assessing, right? You gotta go out. And, you know, first thing, of course, can I get the snowblower out of the garage and get, get going here? And like, that was, that was our, and I have a big, I have a pretty hardy snowblower and it was, I mean, that was a grind getting through there, uh, like the sidewalks and the driveway and all that. And the next thing after that, however long that was hours on Christmas morning, Steve had already driven my wife to work because his driveway was clear enough. And he he could get out, and he has you know big truck kind of like I do, and but he he had a he had a path out. My truck was completely utterly buried on on the street, so there was no moving my truck. And my wife is a nurse practitioner, and like there's much like you guys, like there are people that spend days at the hospital if they if they get there. So there were people that were already stuck there. She wanted to get there to relieve them, and so she he drove her. And when he gets back from that, like I'm still clearing snow. I've got these it's like a dozen arborvitae trees in my backyard uh that i it was like a real point of pride for me it's like the most manly work i've probably ever done in my life was Mm -hmm. planting these trees when they were probably five or six feet tall this years ago like owen was a baby leo wasn't even born yet and this was a this was a job like i had a like this skid steer uh hole post post hole digger thing like because my neighborhood is all bedrock. There's no like doing it by hand. I needed, I needed a machine. So I plant these trees, love them, really proud of it. Holy cow. They took such a beating in this storm. Like as I'm trying to clear the snow from the sidewalk and the, and the driveway, the trees are just by now they're 15 feet tall, right? After all these years that have gone by and they are just, I mean, they look like they're irreparably damaged. There's so much snow on them and they're just, and here comes Steve. He's like, "Oh, dude, no, I got some ratchet straps and some other tie. Come on, we'll we'll get it together." Because I'm standing there going, I, "I'm not crying to him, like, but I'm 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 processing emotion. Like, these trees are done. Like, I, I don't know how to fix that. How, how am I going to fix this? Are going to bounce back? I mean, they're they're parallel to the ground. <laughs> I mean, they're just completely shot. Shook them off." Ratchet stretch. I mean, hours. This dude is out here. Just he's my neighbor. What a dude. We all do know a Steve though, yeah. and they are here. We're like, you're panicking, and he's like, what's the problem? Like, I got this. I got. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you got this? You got this. Like, I'm gonna go inside and cry. My trees are done. He's like, ah, we got it. Come on. So eventually, it's you know the two, the my boys and me and Steve, and we're all out there, and we did it. And yeah, man, here's to Steve. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all need a Steve. All right, let's take a break. We got picks to do. I know Mike's not here. Oh, we'll uh, we'll fit. he sent them to me. We'll get you your picks. I'm really talking to that one account that follows the picks. Uh, anyway, that's coming up after this. I'm the Bulldog. You're listening to WGR. What if I did do it? Even though I admit to nothing and never will. What does that make me? And I'm not here just defending myself, but all those pickers out there who've been caught. Each and every one of them. Who has to suffer the shame and humiliation because of people like you. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Are we not human? 
If we pick, do we not bleed? On WGR. I am not an animal. Sports Radio 550. Well, Mike gained a half a game last week and gave up a full game last night because I had the Rams and he had the Saints and the Rams covered. So I'm up by six and a half as we head into week 16. Uh, my, I, I get to go first because, you know, I'm in the lead. So here you go. My picks are as – I got, got a hustle here too. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills minus the 12 and a half. Don't, don't worry about it. Everybody don't sweat it. Remember the Denver game from 20 when they clinched the division in Denver? That, there's your game. That, 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 is, that is Saturday night in L.A., okay? They're going to clobber the Chargers. So Bills minus 12.5. I will take the Cowboys getting a point and a half at the Dolphins. This is not just wishful thinking. I think this is a much better matchup for the Cowboys. I don't think Miami uh, is capable of running the ball the way the Bills did. They are, they are a good running team, but it's a different style. I think Dallas' speed, and I think their offense will get off against Miami. So I love the Cowboys at the Dolphins getting the point and a half. I like them outright. Anyways, I'll take the Colts minus the two and a half at the Atlanta Falcons. Just, you know, just because I can't stand Arthur Smith's mustache. I don't really like Arthur Blank's mustache. The mustaches in Atlanta are just atrocious. Let's face it, all right? This is how you should gamble. Mustache quotient. All right. Patriots getting six and a half at the Broncos. The Broncos are terrible. Come on! New England can keep it close. And I'll take the uh, 49ers minus five and a half hosting the Ravens. Mike is on the Steelers. Getting three, hosting the Bengals. Uh, he's going to go against me on the Falcons. He'll take the Falcons, getting two and a half, hosting the Colts. He's got the Texans getting three, hosting Cleveland. He's on the Jaguars, getting two and a half at Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And he's got the Chiefs, minus 10, hosting the Raiders. I definitely thought about that one myself, but like these other ones more. So there you go. There's the Week 16 picks. The football conversation, oh, it continues on into the evening here. We've got uh, Nate Geary, conversation from earlier, coming your way next. And then you'll hear Sam Monson as well uh, as we wrap up uh, Christmas Friday. A little bit early. I mean, don't judge us. Uh, That's what's coming ahead in the next hour. So lots more on the Bills as we continue on a Friday here on WGR. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.